Hey everybody, Rob North here from the Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades podcast. Just saying that if you like what we do and you'd like to support us financially and get access to exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash trrpod. As always, hold fast and on with the show. So everybody, I hope you enjoyed our uh, our Halloween special this year. As, as much as we enjoyed yes, making it, as much as we enjoyed making it, yeah, we we lost the whole fucking thing. I lost everything. I lost an entire computer. Uh, yeah, luckily can... I, I do have a, a terabyte backup, so I have all yeah. the old episodes. Uh, we don't have that one. Did but, you lose Kyle? We, you know what. It's not. It's not talk about. It. It's still very raw. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's you, you remember how cold and windy it was on Halloween, and yeah, it's true. almost almost as raw as the wrist that his hand, the dial's wrist that his handcuffed to the radiator. It oh, is, poor Kyle. No, we um yeah. So we, what happened to everybody was we ended up losing a, the thing, the the whole program, and your entire computer. Crashed. My entire computer. It crashed in upload. Yeah. And so we not only did we. I didn't even make it to upload. Yeah. I barely made it through export, and then my entire operating system was like, nah. Yeah, so we we lost the uh, we lost the episode before we have a chance to to back it up. The good news is we already have a Halloween <laughs> episode written for 2020. And you know what? Like we talked an awful lot more about tentacle <laughs> porn than we probably should have. So we'll uh, we'll be a little more judicious about this one uh, next year. Uh, rule 34. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think tentacle porn. porn follows Rule Thirty Four. I'm it pretty does. sure that well, it are there tentacles? Porn. Well, I mean, like it's not tentacles exclusive exist. to Rule Thirty Four. If, ten- if tentacles exist, then there's internet porn of it. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, welcome to Thieves, Ropes, and Renegades. I'm Rob North. I am your co-host, Chris Miller. And of course, that third voice you're hearing is our old friend Michael Arnett, joining us once again. Welcome back, Thank Mike. You. Thank you. Thank welcome you. Welcome back, much. Padre. Glad to have you here. Glad um, to be here. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take our lumps with that Halloween episode. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to. I was just watching Disney Plus the whole time. I can't lie to you, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Mandalorian came out. What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I am not paying for a Disney Plus uh, Disney Plus subscription. But at, I at one point that I say I was paying for Disney Plus. I, I am giving <laughs> Kyle beer so I can go to his house and use his to watch the Mandalorian. Oh, okay. Fortunately, okay. fortunately <laughs> I have I have Hulu Live. Therefore, I have. Disney Plus Disney free. Plus free. Do yeah. you have ESPN Plus too? Yes. Ooh, you got to work that system, baby. Yeah. yeah, I have to. I have. I still have to work the bugs out. Next week when I come by, I'll let you guys know yep. how it goes. Sweet. All right, I dig it. So right, yeah. Well, so today's topic, we're getting back to our roots. We're going to the world of pirates and buccaneers again. Yeah, and weirdos and mm. drunk people. It's good to be home. Yeah. No, I, I said our <laughs> I said our roots, not our personalities. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we are talking today about a guy. Named Rock Brasiliano. Um, a lot of people have not heard of him. Even people who are, quote unquote, into pirates. Um, and a lot of his contemporaries is we've only been yeah. able to find two goddamn books with stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, the interest. So, Rock Brasiliano, he's a 17th century Dutch buccaneer who becomes known for his cruelty, his mysterious background, and his even more mysterious disappearance, along with the length of his career, which at a 17-year career was very, very long for a pirate. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why people don't really know about Brasiliano as a person, I think is yeah. you know more about his exploits kind of exemplified what people thought pirates of the day were, mm-hmm. and he became kind of like a caricature 
about yeah. about pirates. Yeah, he became this template character in the golden age of buccaneering. Yeah, almost. he really he checked off pretty much all of the boxes that you would think that yeah. a, a pirate of the time would check off. Yeah, but all of those factors that I just mentioned, they all help to kind of cement him into this kind of weird, almost like a legend in the background. Well, um, his name was The Rock. Of course he's going to be a legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't know? <laughs> I mean, he did change his name from Gustafsson. <laughs> yeah, Garrett Garretson. So yeah, so we, yeah, so we, and and he's also he kind of blends into the background because he's also surrounded by so many of these other legendary seafarers. Yeah, he really hit uh, Port Royal at the time. Whenever it was just lousy with super famous people. Yeah. If you look at the people whose whose flotillas he was involved with are. Well, shit, one of them's on rum. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the most famous pirate outside of Blackbeard is Captain Morgan, and they were buds. They were. a total douchebag as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we will that's get to him be, one that's day. That's going to be yeah. another part. Yeah. So, let's talk about our sources very, very quickly. Now, the interesting thing about researching Rock Brasiliano is there is pretty much sweet fuck all out there about him. Yeah, our, our compendium which is uh, the general yeah. history of pirates doesn't mention him at all. Yeah, um, like I, I I looked through all of it and yeah, the general history of the uh, these and whatever the most notorious pirates, Captain Charles Johnson. Nothing about this. It's not in it. It's just, he just doesn't exist in it. So. so there are two key sources that I did end up using, and I'm I'm so glad I that both of these books were relatively inexpensive to acquire because between these two books there is a total of about nine pages. <laughs> On Braziliano. So the first of these is actually, much like Charles Johnson's book, a bit of a seminal work of pirate lore. And it is, and it actually precedes Charles Johnson's book by four decades. It is The Buccaneers of America, written by a Frenchman named Alexandre Escamelin. And this thing was actually written in 1684. So it is pretty much the closest thing we're going to get, even though it's a decade or two after most of the things we're going to talk about today. It's one of the closest things we have to a contemporary uh, source about the golden age of buccaneering. And it is, it's a fascinating read and it is kind of, a lot of it is in the same style as Charles Johnson without quite so much of the sensationalist. Yeah. It's not real flowery. No, it's, but it's, it's definitely an interesting read. And I, I mean, I had to read the whole damn thing to Find the Rock Brasiliano section. It was probably fairly early in the book, too. It was an extra slap in the face. Uh, about halfway through. Uh, well, that's not so bad. About halfway through. Because he, he does talk about some of the earlier guys, some of the guys who were, who were bopping around in the in the 16th century. Okay. Early on. Easier or harder read than John Locke? Um, easier. Easier. He does, it, you know, it, his his writing style isn't too obtuse. It's, it's pretty easy to parse. It's... And and uh, to be fair, I the edition I am reading maybe the the lexicon and the the tone of it has been a little bit updated um, since because I, I think maybe I'm reading a translation from 1914 or something. So you know you kick it forward a couple hundred years, the uh, the way they're going to write it out is going to be different. So our second source is the Pi- Pirates and Privateers of the Low Countries. Uh, this is by a guy named Alex Ritzema. And the thing about Alex Ritzema, um, and, and the Low Countries, of course, being uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Flanders. And, and the thing about Alex Ritzema is he's not super, super well-known outside of historical academic circles, but the guy is 
prolific. Now, the book I have in my hand is only about 90 pages. There's not a lot to it. But Alex Ritzema has written dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these little books. I mean, he, he writes those like hour books. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know, you can parse basically all this book in about an hour. And he wrote a shitload of them. He has written a ton of them. I didn't even have the time to look up his full bibliography, but it is it's extensive. a lot, and he covers a lot of topics. Yes, yeah, very, very wide. Um, yeah, he's not just a naval historian. He's not just a pirate historian. He is a. I think he's somebody who, if he spends, if he specializes too much, he gets bored. Wonder if he ever wrote any two minute mysteries. Oh, maybe. <laughs> he <laughs> might have adventures. As I said, I didn't look up his whole bibliography. <laughs> maybe a couple of the Animorphs books. Who knows? So, uh, gentlemen, shall we get into the story of the, the the messy, weird, cloudy story of Rock? Yeah, there's, there's not a hell of a lot to cover here. There's not. No. But there's there's meat. In this story, <laughs> there very Literally. much is. Yeah, we are gonna we are gonna wrap this one in butcher paper. So we don't actually know what Rock Braziliano, Roche Braziliano. He again, this there's ninety different ways to pronounce the guy's name. We don't know what his real name was, but the current theory is that he was born Garrett Gerritsen sometime around 1630 in the Dutch city of Groningen, and likely traveled to the colony of Dutch Brazil with his parents sometime around 1640. Now, if you're confused by the term Dutch Brazil, I'll explain. Now, you're probably aware that Brazil was a Portuguese colonial possession for several hundred years. But up until the 17th century, the northern part of the country remained uncolonized. And in that mad dash for securing territory in the Americas that happens in the first half of the 1600s, the Netherlands had managed to secure a claim on that area by 1630, causing a certain level of conflict with the Portuguese. Now, this is also a time of mass religious animosity between the Protestant and Catholic powers of Europe, and since about the 1550s, Spain and the Dutch had been in an ongoing war, basically a war of survival for the Dutch. Uh, Spain rolled in with armies into the Netherlands and just tried to take them over. You also had the Thirty Years' War going on back in Europe, where both parties on either side of the religious schism seemed all too happy to slaughter each other with abandon, and of course this conflict made its way across the Atlantic, In addition, especially in Brazil, the European settlers tended to have an at-best adversarial relationship with the local indigenous tribes, and their settlements were often attacked. And this is the world that Braziliano is walking into when he travels across the Atlantic to Brazil. Well, one of the things that I heard, the best way I heard it put concerning that religious schism is, Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, when you went to high school, you had a a town that was your rival football team, and... Things like that. Well, with the Protestant Huguenots and and the Catholics, they they were fighting town to town in Europe. Yeah. So, in the age of discovery, in the age of expansion, it expanded to a global scale. Where, where there was really no front line, either. Right. It was house to house. Yeah. It was family to family. It was, um, you know, it, everybody was fighting. And it... It was like the IRA. It was like Northern Ireland on a you know on, on a cataclysmic scale. It's well, it's like West Virginia or Missouri in in 1861. It's very much the same kind of thing. It's it's you have people intermingled on either side of this conflict. You right. have fine people on both sides. Very fine people. <laughs> so that's the one thing about religious folks. You know, historically they've just been really nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you hate to see it marred by all this stuff that happens in literally every single century in recorded history. <laughs> Ain't it grand? Ain't it grand? So, 
about 1640, Brasiliano and his family moved to Dutch Brazil. And again, we, we have another period where we know very, very little about the course that his life takes. And we come to the year 1654. And we don't actually know what happened particularly to Brasiliano at this point. But what we do know is that the Portuguese, with a lot of help from the Spanish and from local indigenous tribes, launch, uh, they launch a major offensive into Dutch Brazil. Uh, it's entirely possible that this is the event that sets everything into motion for Brasiliano, and that he may have lost a significant amount of family members, possibly a spouse and children, uh, to raids or invasion. Because if you read about the Portuguese invasion of Dutch Brazil, it was bloody. Yeah, it was very, bloody. very, very bloody, and and it's and it's fueled by not only territorial ambition, but there is this edge of religious tension. You know, the Dutch being a Protestant power, the Portuguese being a Catholic power, the Spanish being a Catholic power. Um, you have just this, I mean, this understandable anger of the local tribes um, being taken out on the on the Dutch population. And that's one of the things I was kind of curious of when, hey, when, I'm, when I was sourcing this and, and, and trying to get as much information as I could. Mm -hmm. when, you look at, when you look at the great psychopaths of the world, um, and I don't mean great as in great, I mean great as in notorious. Oh, yes. Um, you look at Caligula. Uh, they believe that Caligula had a, a very massive fever. He was documented that he had mm -hmm. a fever. And then he was never the same. That's, after that fever, that's the Caligula you see in the, in, you know, in the movie. Uh, Ted Bundy had something that happened in his life. Anybody that turned into the type of person that Rock ended up turning into yeah. usually had some form <clears throat> of just psychotic break and some kind of event yeah. that that crushed him. It's it's normally so, sourced either to some kind of physical injury or condition that leads to affecting the way the brain synapses fire, or as you said, some kind of psychotic psychotic break, often coming from some great traumatic event. Right. So. Rock decides to flee to the great buccaneer den of Port Royal, Jamaica, which is in British territory at this point. And, and through lack of any other opportunity, signs on to a buccaneer crew for work. He doesn't... We don't think he has a past as a seafarer. We... I mean, Groningen's not really a, a port town. We don't think he, he came from a seafaring family. He probably came from a farming or a plantation family. He just decides to try his luck going to sea. Uh, for a full explanation, we recommend you go back to our episode on the differences between pirates, buccaneers, and privateers. But to put it simply, uh, even though the European powers may not have officially been at war, a state of Cold War existed between all these powers that was periodically interrupted by raids and attacks, uh, an idea better known as what they called no peace beyond the line, meaning that outside the actual home territories of these European powers, kind of anything goes. It's It's like the Wild West. It's... It's sort of lawless, and you have these buccaneers that are launching pirate-style attacks, raids on shipping, on coastal settlements. And oftentimes it may not seem like they have any kind of national allegiance or religious allegiance or something like that, but there are a lot of patterns where you can see that they do. And Brasiliano falls into this, this realm. So Brasiliano ends up being part of a crew that didn't seem to like their captain very much, and they carried out a curious sort of mutiny. Now, instead of taking over the, their vessel, they all just quit as a group. They all just sort of walked away once they got to shore. 
Uh, but they manage to combine their resources, these men who walk away, and they manage to acquire a small sloop, and they make Rock Brasiliano the captain. So he may not have had a past as a seafarer, but he's apparently good enough at it, or can, can control his own narrative or control the minds of a group so much that they I may put him in a position no of leadership. I have no idea why. I couldn't find anything on it. I looked all over the internet. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything in any kind of like, source material. Every source we've ever used regarding pirates, I can't. I don't even know how tall this dude was. No. Like it's, it, it never says like, oh, he was like a big hulking man. We don't up. have a physical it, description of him. But apparently, there's a lot of paintings. There are multiple paintings of this wood, guy. Yeah, wood burnings there, and stuff. Yeah, wood, he yeah, had a funny was, mustache. Yeah, he, he had a funny mustache. He did have a funny mustache. <laughs> no, he was Dutch. <laughs> And we all know that there's two things in this thing in this world that I don't like: intolerance of another person's culture and the Dutch. <laughs> Smoking the pancake. pancake. <laughs> ah, welcome to New Tinseland. No, I, I can't get into it. I see there is no pleasing you. Then <laughs> there is no pleasing you. So yes, the, so these guys manage to acquire a small vessel. They make Rock the captain. And it doesn't take long for them to secure success, and they manage to capture a large Spanish merchantman that's sailing out of Span out of New Spain, that's carrying a significant quality of silver plate, uh, basically uh, squashed silver ingots coming out of the silver mines in in Latin America. Uh, and with the money taken in by this capture, Rock and his men begin to acquire a series of larger vessels and begin to acquire a larger crew. Now, as Brasiliano's reputation as a captain grows. Some of his other qualities come to the forefront as well. Uh, first of all, he's apparently a massive drunk. He, he he's is a, a special kind of a drunk, special too. Special kind of. And drunk. it's not—it's not even that he just likes to drink. Mm -hmm. It's that he is a monstrous drunk. Yeah. And it's think of the one guy at the bar that's a pain in the ass. Like when you see him, you can just see him getting more and more. Like you can you can tell it's tipping to the point where it's going to be a problem. And we he all was like know that at all times. We oh, all yeah. know this guy. Yeah. And if you don't know that guy, you're that guy. You so might be stop drinking. Uncle Frank. <laughs> at Thanksgiving, which is coming yeah. up. So it, it and so he has a big old drinking problem. He also apparently has breathtaking anger management issues. He had a habit of flying just off the handle at any time. I mean, this guy. This guy puts the rage in Dutch courage. He, <laughs> if you refuse to drink with him at a bar, he would shoot you. Yeah, it, and that's not an exaggeration. Like it's documented. He shot people just because they wouldn't have a drink with him, and it yeah. didn't matter who you were. He would draw a pistol on you. Yeah, he draw a pistol and he'd shoot you. Now, he, like most of his most of his contemporaries drank with him. Yeah. So, like, Henry Morgan didn't have an issue with no. it. <laughs> Lillene did not have an issue with it. But, now, apparently, he did have a habit of... Now, he would shoot you. He wouldn't aim to kill you. He wanted oh, yeah, to he was trying to wing you. Yeah. He'd, he'd, he'd get you in the leg. But, yeah, that is a... That is, that's a move. That's... Imagine that conversation. Do you want a shot or do you want a shot? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a little different from plot that you blow-mo. <laughs> shot, his, oh, shot. His acting up. Did not stop at the table. No, it did not. Like, whenever he would leave, he would stumble down the street, find a passerby, and then pull his sword and charge them. Yep. It didn't matter who you were. 
and he didn't really care. He like, was he was a maniac. Yeah, he didn't pick. Like it was just like, oh, that's one, and then he would attack you with a sword. And that's the interesting thing is he has all these things he does that ins- that instills this fear about him, that instills terror in other people. But it doesn't seem all that calculated because he's not in a state of being compos mentis when he does it. Yeah, it, this he's is clearly so the actions gone. of a man that is incredibly intoxicated. Yeah, this is not Ned Lowe. This is not you know somebody doing this in a calculated way to embellish their own reputation or to make themselves a figure that other people are going to step back and give way to. This is somebody who's just out of control. Well, and those are the scarier people, are the people that are just absolutely random. You cannot... Yeah, he's yeah, he's cannot a wild dog. Them. Yeah. Um, it, it's... It, well, actually, Escamolan even describes him as a rough diamond, a quote-unquote rough diamond. Mm-hmm. This is by buccaneer standards. This is by 17th <laughs> yeah. century buccaneer standards. So this means he was a real piece of work. Um, and now, finally, one... Uh, and, well, and, and here's the question is, does his drinking and does his violent outbursts, is it the result of... Is it a coping mechanism? Is it the result of some sort of trauma? Which is why... This is why historians theorize that he might have suffered greatly at the hands of... Uh, at, at, during the fall of... Um, at the hands of the Portuguese or the Spanish during the fall of Dutch Brazil. And that he may have lost people. He may have lost his family. It's... I mean, we all know people that grieve in different ways and a lot of them do turn to substances to help them cope um and and or conversely he's just an asshole conversely yeah yeah, now he's living a life with with no like he doesn't have anything to go back to no so what the hell i'm just going to be a pirate and everybody knows how piracy ends Mm mm-hmm yeah, even then, a lot of these guys. Yeah, had, so did have maybe this the sense guy's just—he knows how the—he knows how it's going to end, and he's just going with it. Yeah, um, and and there is this final quality to him at, that again also makes people think that that something serious happened to him in Dutch Brazil. He hated Catholics, and he hated the Spanish and the Portuguese, Pr- especially particularly Spanish, Catholics. particularly Spanish Catholics. Now. Is this the result of something that happened to him during the fall of Dutch Brazil, or just from the attack at large, or is this just the result of growing up Dutch in the 17th century? And I, I mean, I think maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. Again, we have so little material about this guy, and of course, we can't psychologically profile somebody with that amount of information. So Rock goes on to plan his first big attack on the Spanish in the later 1650s, and he plans on sailing... Uh, with his ship, to raid the key Spanish port of Campeche on Mexico's east coast. A disaster ends up striking, however, when his ship is stranded down the coast a pretty far distance from Campeche itself, and Rock and his men have to march overland to a place called Golfo Triste, which is this cove on the Spanish coast that pirate vessels and buccaneer vessels would put into uh, in order to collect supplies in order to careen their ships, thinking, okay, somebody will give us a lift out of here, because now you are deep in enemy territory. And the Buccaneers were men that, if you got caught, you're dead. There is no getting ransom back. There is no prison. There is, maybe there's prison, but there's prison, and then there's hanging. You are hanged as a pirate. Yeah, the governors all had pretty strict orders to deal with this. Yes. You know, there yeah, we, by this we point. weren't. Yeah, there was no due process here. Like you're a buccaneer, you're a pirate, you're an enemy of the state, and that's it. Lights out. Yeah, and so Rock and about thirty of his men, they end up on this death march almost because they're in this area that is mostly rainforest, but it's very resource poor. 
They don't know how to hunt the, the local animals. They don't know how to find food. They don't know what's edible. So, and, and the whole time, they're, the Spanish know they're there. And they're being hunted. But the one thing Rock and his men could do was fight. And there is a, a time on this march where Rock and his buccaneers are attacked by a force of Spaniards on horseback. They, these Spaniards charge out of the jungle in a cavalry attack. They outnumber these guys, I don't know, four times, five times. Judging by what I know about Campeche and how many men it could, could put together. And you'd, and you'd think that Rock and his men are going to be easy prey. But apparently they put up a hell of a defense. They inflict heavy casualties on the Spanish. And the, others, and the rest of the Spanish cavalry end up withdrawing. And the Buccaneers only lose two dead and two wounded in this attack. Now, And the Buccaneers, however, finally, through this defeat, have a method to survive. They kill all the wounded Spanish, and they butcher their horses. They cook the horse meat, they now have provisions for the journey, and they have more weapons and ammunition. And they finally reach Golfo Triste. They find a Spanish ship at anchor, while its crew is collecting drinking water. And Rock and his men first seize the Spanish longboats, the Spanish canoes, and shortly afterwards, having captured the, Spani the Spaniards that are ashore... They use those small boats to attack the Spanish vessel, and they take it over. No prisoners. Every single Spanish crewman apparently has his throat slit, and he's just tossed into the bay. So, with their cargo of salted horse meat, and a, a now with a functional ship, they decide to make their way back to Jamaica. On the way, they capture another wealthy Spanish merchant vessel, so they turn this giant clusterfuck into a success because this Spanish merchant vessel happens to be loaded with pieces of eight. Not, not completely, but it's enough to make this a big-time success. So he pulls victory from the jaws of defeat. And as soon as they get back to Jamaica, apparently they spend all their money on booze and whores. Yeah, he was one of the pirates that did spend all of his money. Yes. Like there was the, he and his crew were notorious for just spending everything. You yeah. had, which is another reason why I think... The guy knew how the last chapter of that book was going to be written, mm -hmm. and which is why he acted the way he did. Because yeah. there there weren't any consequences. You know what was what was the worst thing that was going to happen? He was going to die. He's going to die yeah. anyway. But the failure to to, to raid Campeche puts a burr in Rock Brasiliano's saddle. He ends up he, and we don't know how we don't actually know. Again, we don't know how many years actually go on between the event I just described and the event I'm about to describe, but. He has his mind set on Campeche. It becomes his white whale. And so, several years later, probably sometime in the 1660s, Rock decides to take another shot at Campeche. He's not the first guy to take a shot at Campeche, and it almost no. got captured on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. It's a very large shipping set. Like it's, it's one of the largest ones in many, many miles. Well, the thing about Campeche is it's it's a fat target because Campeche is at the tail end of a trade route that brings all this silver out of the mine. So this is when everything is headed Spanish, to Havana. In the Mexican mountains. Everything goes to Campeche or it goes to Veracruz. And so you have the opportunity to, if you can either raid the town, you raid the storehouses, there's probably going to be a lot of treasure there. Or if you can catch vessels coming sailing out of Campeche... Chances are they're going to be heavily loaded down, especially if they're going back to Spain. Well, wasn't Francis Drake on his way to Campeche? Um, um, he, 
when he with the only instance the only documented instance yeah. of burying burying treasure in the Caribbean. Um, I don't know he if he actually he took I know all the I know gold. he was near he, Veracruz. He, he They're not all, real far. He took, yeah, he took all the gold, but he he didn't have enough room for the silver. So yeah. he, he buried the silver. He buried it the might silver. have been it might have been Veracruz. It might have been Veracruz. It's either Veracruz, Campeche, or San Juan de Ulloa. Right. And I, I I think it may have been Veracruz, but I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to look it up. We'll 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 take a look at that after we're done here. And so he. He, he tries to plunder Campeche again. Again, it becomes a giant clusterfuck. And the Spanish manage to... They, they land outside of the city. And they find themselves, almost immediately after they land, they're surrounded by Spanish soldiers. And this time, there's no getting out. This time, there's not going to be a repeat. They have The Spanish have too many men because the Spanish knew they were coming. Nobody knows quite how, but they, they must have known they were coming. And... Rock is forced to surrender. He's arrested by the Spanish, and we know that he's dead, and he knows that he's destined for the noose, because the, I'm, the Spanish at this time were merciless with captured buccaneers. And the the governor knows him personally. Like, yeah. he's familiar with him. He knows what he's done to the shipping, to the prisoners. Like, he's he's very yeah. familiar with this guy. And his reputation has preceded him. They know he's dangerous. They know he's killed a lot of Spanish sailors and soldiers, possibly a lot of civilians. They want this guy out of the picture. But, Rock's a crafty bugger. Despite, <laughs> this might have been, you know, once he sobered up, he actually had an opportunity, he actually was pretty canny. And so, um, what happens next, I will use uh, Alexandre Excamelin's words to describe it. <clears throat> In my best Pepe Le Pew French. He wrote, therefore, a letter to the governor making him believe it came from other pirates that were abroad at sea, and withal telling him, quote, he should have a care how he used those persons he had in his custody. For in case he caused them any harm, they did swear unto him they would never give quarter to any person of the Spanish nation that should fall into their hands. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> Because these, oh. pi- because these pirates had been many times at Campeche, and in many other towns and villages of the West Indies belonging to the Spanish dominions, the governor began to fear what mischiefs they might cause by means of their companions abroad, in case he should punish them. Hereupon he released them out of prison, exacting only an oath of them beforehand that they would leave their exercise of piracy forever. And withal he sent them as common mariners, or passengers in galleons to Spain. They got in this voyage together 500 pieces of eight, whereby they tarried not long after their arrival. But providing themselves with some few necessaries, they all returned to Jamaica post-haste. Whence they set forth again to sea, committing greater robberies and cruelties than they had done before, but more especially abusing the poor Spaniards that happened to fall into their hands with all sorts of cruelty imaginable. So basically what that means, if it's not not barked at you by a cartoon skunk... Sorry. <laughs> ...is that Brasiliano, in jail, acquires a pen and paper. Yep. Forges a letter to the governor written by a fake pirate crew that they were about to sack the whole fucking town, yep. all the shipping lanes, all the people, especially the wealthy ones, without mercy. 
And the governor, who, like we said before, the, the town's been sacked in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, to save a little bit of face. Oh, they, they all know and they to have save a target on their Oh, yeah. yeah. But to save face and to save his ass, the governor's like, listen, I'm not going to hang you. I'm going to send you to Spain, and you'll be tried there. So they'll hang you when you get there. Which is <laughs> I love this so pretty much. clever. Yeah. It's fairly clever. So Rock he goes to Spain, gets off the boat, escapes, gets on another boat, and goes right back to Jamaica. As soon as he's <laughs> yeah. in Jamaica, he goes right back to pirating. Yep. And they said he stepped it up mm-hmm. after getting back. He was you know, he so bad. He and the, the, the rest of the, the prisoners and other people he met in Spain that might have been, or even guys he was talking to on the vessel on the way back, yeah. who were just going to Jamaica to be like, yeah, you know what, probably make a couple more boxes of pirate. Um, and I can't help but I have to ask. I wonder if when he got there, he said, finally, the rock has come back to Port Royal. <laughs> well, the nice thing about his birth name is, it doesn't matter what his name is. But uh, the guy he bought his vessel off of whenever he resumed his piracy was Francois Lolonet. Yep. Maybe the most brutal pirate we're going to cover. But yeah. rock's up there. Rock's way up there. It's it's the the top three are very easily Ned Lowe, Lolane, and Rock Brazilian. The only I thing, don't even know the order. I'm gonna put Low Low on the list only because he did have a weird conscious uh, consciousness. Like it was, he didn't kill married men. He never yeah. harmed women. He never harmed children. Like it was weird. The other ones didn't fucking care. No. And now now you've got. An even more famously debaucherous, violent man taking it up a notch. Like he's he's gone to eleven. This is this is the guy that would threaten his friends and sometimes shoot his friends for not drinking. Yeah. So now this is the guy that's going to start cutting off limbs of Spanish prisoners because he thinks it's funny. You know, like these Spanish prisoners, he'll they'll dismember them. He roasted a man's arms. Yeah. In front of the man. Well, yeah, while the man watched. Right. They he uh, he was he was still bound yeah. probably to the ship's mast because that was a pretty common thing to do. And then he roasted his arms on a spit. Yeah. As he I'm, roasted a pig farmer on a spit because the farmer wouldn't give up the pigs. pigs. Yeah. As now whether was, or not they ate the farmer, that's <laughs> up there. But he roasted a man alive on a spit, and then spoiler alert, took the pigs. Yeah. As I was reading this. The only thing I could think to myself was if Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs was based on Ed Gein, Hannibal Lecter was based on Rock Braziliano. Yeah. Yeah, Rock was he was something else. Like this yeah. is this guy was even by like I said, by the standards that we're going to set with the behavior of some of these people, he's up there. He's way up there. Yeah. I mean the, the guy was a serial killer. He was a he was a missionary killer. He uh, meaning he was the he was the type of serial killer that he killed for a a purpose. It wasn't the thrill of the kill that got him off or anything like that. It was what it accomplished. It was you know this this guy he had a vendetta against the Spanish and God damn it if he wasn't going to kill every last Spanish son of a bitch he could get his hands on. And he did a pretty good job of it too. Yeah, he was pretty good at it. But then it was like you have to think that there there is. I mean, the guy was clearly demented because of the way that he killed a lot of these people. Yeah. This isn't Ned Lowe picking dudes up uh, from the yard arm and just dropping them over and over again until he died. Yeah. But it's, you're cutting parts off of people and cooking them. 
In front of them. In front of them. Yes. Oh yeah. Very much so. Yeah, you're putting a you're putting a tourniquet on the on that arm, and you're letting this guy sit there. He's weak from blood loss. He's woozy, but you won't let him pass out as you are. He's he is smelling his own flesh cooking. He's shooting his fucking friends in the bar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was he was a he was just a he was the Tasmanian devil if the cloud around the Tasmanian devil was made of blood. Of yeah, course, much. that's also it, pretty fucking metal. And to be completely fair about shooting his friends at a bar, after four years in the Navy, I can tell you there were several sailor friends that I had that, if I had a pistol, that's fair. Probably would have happened. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> No, we can't all be snorkel penis. <laughs> Did you see they got another one. fucking submarine? What was it? <laughs> they, I hope it was the same dude. <laughs> so do I. Was it sixty nine million dollars worth of nice. coke on this sub? Nice. Yeah, yeah, sixty nine million dollars worth. It was a ton. Yeah, it was a ton of cocaine. There's a picture of them offloading it with a fucking crane. To be fair, sadly, no video of the coasty jumping on top. And I boom, hope it boom, was boom, that boom. dude. <laughs> I just can't believe he knocked on the door and the yeah. guy answered it. Well, I mean, well, that's what everybody says. Like, oh, they should—it's a submarine. You dive. Well, if you've ever seen these submarines, they don't die. Six inches. Of it, yeah, below it's just the water. that most of the the submarines below, but they were able to get on. This crew decided they were going to blow it up because apparently these things all have kill switches, which yeah. leads me to believe the guys that they caught uh, that snorkel penis lassoed with his giant wang. Um, <laughs> they either couldn't blow it up and scuttle it. Or they decided that they'd rather go to jail than go to the bottom of the ocean. Or, or, there's another theory, actually. And and sorry, everybody, we're digressing, but this is interesting. The guy's that, a snorkel penis. That they send... You can always talk about Well, something. no, it's that they send multiple drug subs at one time. And if you're sending ten and you allow one to get caught, you still have the other nine going through, you're still turning a massive profit. It makes sense. You know. It makes sense. Did you see the picture of the fucking thing? Yeah. The way they had it painted? Holy, I don't know how the fuck they saw it. Because you just paint the top of them the color of the ocean. And they have, it's like dithered camouflage. It's um, insane. My guess is look down radar on a Coast Guard helicopter. It would have to be. Yeah. If you, are, if you are looking at your radar profile and you are seeing, and from several thousand feet, and you can look down and, and see every vessel you're getting a return on, and then there's one return you're getting that you can't see, you know something's down there. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're going you're gonna to point a cutter at it and... Snorkel penis is going to jump out. And then, and then a man's going to jump there? off of a moving boat and just punch his way into it. Do you think he's like their drug sub wrangling guy? Like he's just the guy they call? They artificially I, created him in a lab. <laughs> like that, that right. ain't no man. I'm just, I'm just disappointed they put him in a Coast Guard uniform. <laughs> yeah, as, as Grey Boat Navy. Yeah. As, you, uh, <laughs> you we must need more men like that about this. But, yeah. yeah, but you need less. Much. You need uh, fewer helicopters in the Coast Guard because he just spins his dick around real fast. Just <laughs> <he> takes <laughs> off. <laughs> My work is done here. Off to save children. <laughs> I'm going home to make love to my wife, <laughs> and I will be back for ten whole minutes. minutes. <laughs> So let's get back to well. Let's, speaking of disappearances, yes. Speak, well, let's get back to Brasiliano. We're going to get to his disappearance in a minute. But the, there's there's one other interesting thing is how connected he was to all the other major. You know, we mentioned to all the other major Buccaneers of the time. We mentioned Lalanne, but he also he rolled with Henry Morgan for a while. He were in the same flotilla. They, they he yeah. he was and he was with yeah. Henry Morgan before and after his capture. Yeah, before and after his capture. They're, 
A lot of people think that he may have been a part of Morgan's flotilla on the sack of Panama. Um, they were together around the same yeah. time, but there's it never says that he went. Yeah, um, and and the thing is too, they probably did. Like it, uh, Henry Morgan was out there. The thing he, is, we do have record, the well, we do have records of all the names of the command of the ship commanders involved in Morgan's flotilla. The thing is, we don't know Rock Brasiliano's real name, and there were some Dutch captains on there. Mm-hmm. And so it's entirely possible that even though nothing in the records of Morgan Sack of Panama matches what we think, it's entirely possible that one mate, of those captains... His first mate's listed. Yeah. Yellow. That one of those captains could be Rock Brasiliano. Well, he obviously wasn't there for his governorship. No. No. No, he, no, he was not. <laughs> Oh, that's a whole other story. But yeah, the um, another Dutch guy. Everybody called him Yella. Yeah, uh, his first name was uh, Yella Stilicat. That was his first mate. He is listed as one of the captains in Henry's flotilla. Mm-hmm. I think it's his captain Yellows. Yes, I think it is because everybody they called him Yellow with an A Y E L L A. His first name was J E L L E S, but it's written as like Y E L L A or just yeah. Yellow. And like most of his his comrades called him Captain Yellows, and they thought it was funny. It's, but he's he's in there. Yeah, but well, yeah. The the thing we know for sure about Rock is he was connected. Mm-hmm. He was connected. He had his finger on the pulse of everything that was going on at this time. Probably and, because he had a fun mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to mustache ride. I do. I do. I do. And then he has this weird career. He has these close calls with the Spanish. He has this reputation of being an. Absolute loony fruitcake psycho. And then, in the early 1670s, 1671, 1672, we don't exactly know when. He just disappears. The stories about him stop. He gone. And he just vanishes from the historical record. And from lore. Just like D.B. Cooper and the money he took. Just like D.B. <laughs> Cooper and the money he took, Yeah. I I caught Kid Rock reference, baby. We're back. <laughs> Here's the thing. I caught. I I actually caught a little bit of hell from you, Senator Kid Rock. After that, after that episode, I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up this message. That, While you're doing that, that uh, Mike sent me after Brasiliano's uh, disappearance. It's not really known what happens one way or the other. Uh, it's commonly believed that he either just kind of gave it up. Yeah. Uh, some people believe that he was lost at sea. And others believe that he was captured and killed. And the only reason I think that that's probably not the case is the Spanish knew this guy. And if they captured and killed him, they would have said. Yeah, they would have publicized right. But, I mean, like, honestly, what happens most in, in pirates uh, with any kind of name recognition is they're captured and killed. Yes. But, well, uh, and, and but there, were, it, there were really bad storms, and a lot of pirate ships were lost. A lot yeah. of very skilled captains were lost around 1673. Because so he probably a, went down with yeah. a ship in a storm. When you're in a sailing vessel... If you get into a storm big enough, it doesn't matter about your skills as a captain. Sometimes it is just too much. Yeah, your ship can't take it. And, and to, um, to go toward that, um, the, the fact that he was captured and killed, take a look at Ed Teach. What'd they do? They cut his head off and put him on the masthead yeah. when they sailed in as a, you know, as a matter of pride and as a matter of message. I know that, granted, that was much later. It was the English, but I, certainly the Spanish would have done the same. Yes, well, and, much and the same. And the way the way things were going for the Spanish in the early 1670s, this the the Spanish hold on the New World was already starting to slip. It had been slipping for a couple decades, and the the Spanish Empire was kind of at its height in the second half of the 16th century. 
under like Philip II and the days of the Armada and stuff like that. Now we get to the later part of the 17th century, and they're in decline. And they're also in a, in a period where these raids are being launched by the Buccaneers in the New World, and the Spanish in the New World are getting their asses kicked up one side and down the other. They need every piece of positive press they can get. They need every victory they can get. So there is, if they caught and killed this guy... There is absolutely no reason they wouldn't publicize it. It's think of like how long Charles Vane's body hung outside of a fort. Yeah, like he was there for it was over uh, two almost, weeks, almost as long as that actor's big old ween in Black Sails. Oh, that's a oh, oh. oh that's not a dude. That's a bird. bird. <laughs> I was watching that scene when he comes out just like filthy and covered in mud. I was like, what is wrong with his leg? I was like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> they hung Steed Bonnet for yeah. a week and a half. Your boy Steed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, you have it. Okay. But, like, so. these guys are, are noteworthy. Yeah. And you would, especially whenever you had a guy cutting parts off of Spanish farmers for fun. Yeah. You're going to let folks know. So, I, and he doesn't come off as the kind of guy who would have just quit. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, his behavior is not a guy who's looking to retire. Yeah. So, let's. It's a let's, short life in America. Let's, let's take a vote. Do we all think that, like, he, he just died at sea? He died at sea. Yeah. That's my. I think yeah. Snorkel Penis probably got him. And then he punched him into space and then into the moon. He went through the moon. And he came out the other side and he kept going. The Snorkel Penis just swung his big old dick and spun him through time. Yes. Back to the present day. <laughs> it, he, 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 he lassoed <laughs> the earth and spun it backwards like Superman. He just oh, went back too there's far. There's the conspiracy yeah. theory we were missing from our uh, right. tinfoil hat part of that episode. R- Rock Brasiliano was actually. D.B. Cooper. Cooper. And the money he stole. <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, um, so what Mike sent to me after that episode is he he said that... Um, yeah, I got called disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> when, um... <laughs> who called you disrespectful? Uh, Mike did. Oh, Mike did. Pirate. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Mike sent me a message that said that the, the Kid Rock episode that we will eventually do... Um, after the murder-suicide pact he's obviously a part of plays out. I'm, I don't know details about that. <laughs> Will he be the first senator in a suicide pact? <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, uh, the, 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 sen- the senator from Michigan has the floor. Uh, Mr. Rock, the floor is yours. The, uh, uh, please, call me kid. Call me kid. <laughs> that, uh, the Kid Rock episode must be a, a remote broadcast live from a Florida Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just got told I wasn't giving Kid Rock his due. I mean, given the given the hungover breakfasts that we've had collectively in Florida Waffle Houses. But see, and once you had a hungover breakfast, but, you realize why you only drink Waffle but House see, when you're drunk. To, to, yeah. be, to be faithful to our Patreon listeners, some of whom were there. Yes, that day, we went at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go to a Florida Waffle House, it has to be two thirty eight. It has to be the time when they have a security guard on the door. Right. It, 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 and we were there at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's when old people eat. Just hurting. Yeah. Just hurting. Yeah, that was un- that night before, man. Ooh. But I'll be Ooh. damned if that breakfast didn't help me. I know it that did. for a fact. It, it did good. not help me. That that hash did not. That, that went sideways. Did you go fully loaded? I don't even remember, man. All I know is that I just had heartburn because I don't know what <laughs> that's. The, I don't know what Waffle House food's made out of, but it's not made out of food. So well, having having been a sailor in the South, I can tell you from experience. Yeah. If you're going to go to a Waffle House as a hangover cure... Oh, you mean the thriving cosmopolitan port of Jacksonville? Yes. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah. But if you're going to go to a Waffle House and eat to cure a hangover, you get everything, everything. on it. That's the way it works. The cheese, the green peppers, the onions, the jalapenos. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's everything. Because yeah. yeah. it, it, like, 
everything is everything I like on food. Right. Yeah, you know, peppers, onions, cheese, like those are my food groups. So you're gonna live to a ripe old age, Chris. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> so can't, my, yeah, so my back already quit on me. Even my bones are yeah. failing. At so we're this all point. agreed that either the ship went down or or he died aboard ship and was buried at sea and yeah, just disappears from the record. For yeah. whatever reason, pirates seem to be less susceptible to illness than most of the other sailors mm-hmm. at the time, and I, I don't know why that is. It's not like standard like food standards were better. Well, it's I mean, also, it was it was a little less crowded at some point. Than you the also Navy. don't. Uh, I mean, they may not have been less susceptible with 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 pirates. You also don't have the kind of uh, record keeping that you get with the Admiralty. That's true. But like a lot of these, you'd, you'd figure like statistically speaking, you would have to lose some of the more well known captains to illness. Seems like most of the may, illness. Yeah, that's a good point. Most yeah. of the illness that you lost these guys to were to STDs, the wiener mm-hmm. ones. But. Uh, Oh, God. another I one just is had that... a vision pop into my head of that syringe from oh, for mercury. It's still had mercury in it. Oh God, Ooh. that was definitely in Blackbeard. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yeah, that'll fetch yeah, you an extra hundred. It's grand also the, the fact that these guys were this was were... in Blackbeard's pain, <laughs> <laughs> but they were also Jamaican. Yeah, you know, like they lived there for a while. So if you were going to die from one of these illnesses, you were probably going to do it quickly. And before you became famous, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, and then you would be, you know, your your body would build up an immunity to it. You'd be more tolerant to these these. But most of the sailors that died were the ones whenever they first got there. Yeah, you know, like yellow fever happened quick, and it. I mean, man, yellow fever was unbelievable. The numbers that it put up for casualties in the Royal Navy. Oh my God, it was a large percentage. Yeah. And that, and that is to say, too, uh, Rob, you brought it up at the beginning of the episode, 17 years in piracy is That's a very, 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 long, very long time. Well, I mean, considering that the most famous pirate of all time had a piracy career of two, maybe two and a half years. Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. I mean, 1716 to 1718. Right. And that's it. I mean, that's it. I... I, I <laughs> You know. Brazilianos also not your star player. I think I may have a jar of pickles in my fridge older than that. I just threw something away that expired in 2013. Nice. <laughs> Single life is nice. good to us. <laughs> Single life is good to us. We're we're not living in squalor. <laughs> and I know for for me, my takeaway is you know I, you hear people call me the Padre. I'm a man of faith, and as a man of faith, we're told. You shouldn't ever say that a person's in heaven or hell because you have no way of knowing what happened at the end of his life. But I feel I can like you, you can you can spin this dude's in hell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel yeah. like you've got a pretty good chance of getting this one right. And and that's the thing is if he's not in hell, Saint Peter definitely looked him in the eye and went, <laughs> "What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, this just ain't gonna work. Checking it, checking his list. <laughs> is going okay. Hold on a second. This this can't be right. Yeah, so, yeah, a, a bit of an anticlimactic end, but man, this guy was, what a piece of work. Yeah, yeah, for being, like, one of our B-team pirates. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, oof, fairly successful. But whether, he, whether it was mission or not, the man was a psychopath. Oh, yeah. I mean, an actual clinical, clinical definition psychopath. Yeah, whenever you're just, like, sailing around cooking dudes. Yeah. Not good. No, yeah, nobody... Because he wouldn't give you their face. Although, I do understand that human flesh is supposed to taste like pork. 
Well, we'll have to try it out. And smell like it. I saw on it It's Always Sunny that you should never eat human meat. Because mm. then you get the craving for the human meat. Well, we went to the normal pig, the long pig. <laughs> and yeah, that's... yeah. You, you, don't, you don't roast a man's arms in front of him if you've... <laughs> You've had a good life. He cooked I don't a lot think so. of people. He cooked a lot of people. <laughs> I do not think so. You've yeah, you've gotta be you've gotta be screwed up. So Yeah, so that's the story of Rock Brasiliano. And uh Man, I'm glad I'm pretty glad to see the back of this guy. Yeah. Um again, thank you everybody for being very, very patient, waiting for this episode, uh, with us. Losing the Halloween episode again. We will we'll bring that one back. I we'll still make have, it up to you. I, I I have the script. I have it saved. We'll uh we'll bring that one back for next year. We'll do another. We'll figure something and, else out that's that's coming up. Yeah, that we'll do like a little a special for you guys. Yeah, we were also going to uh, re- record this episode last week, and uh, both uh, myself and my com- my computer were in the hospital. Yes, so. uh, I called. I I, <laughs> I got in touch with Chris about recording last Monday, and Chris said. I'm I'm on my floor and my back is uh, exploding, so yeah, I, yeah. I it was it was unpleasant. It, it, today's the first day I just like sat on my couch, and and like face didn't twist and just yeah. agony. So so thanks for bearing with us as we adjust to life after thirty, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to what we have coming up next. Everybody, yeah, big gear change. Yeah, we're um yeah we dip back into the realm of pirates. We are going full cult. Nice. Next time. We've got a series coming up starting on next Kanye week. Kanye West. On Kanye West. No, on, wait. No, wait. That, that's that's going to be in two years. On Millennial Jim Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I have, I'll give you a hint. They use the Georgia Bulldogs logo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, no. I, I, have, I, actually, I actually have a Reverend Jim Jones joke, but I can't tell you the punchline's too long. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Stop it. So, yeah, so next time we're going to be examining Heaven's Gate and Marshall Applewhite. So, it, yeah, it's, this mean, is going to be interesting. You mean Doe? Bo? Doe. Doe? That's what he went by. Oh, yeah, he did go by Doe. Yep. And Peep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this is going to get real weird. That'll, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So, it's going to be a multi part episode. Yeah. It's also the 1990s. So, this is going to be the most recent story we've ever covered. Is it really? Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess yeah, it is. Other than like, because we cover some zeitgeist yeah. every now and again. I guess yeah. Cooper was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cooper was seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And this now we're moving into the nineties. So now we're getting into castration and Nikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I said we weren't going to talk about Kanye West next week. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. oh you're right. Those about are Adidas. That, yeah. Yeezys are Adidas. Yeah, Philistines. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's so, yeah. Nike, and you never hear about him. So yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to get on touch uh, in touch with us on social media, Chris, where can they find us? You can find me at trrpod at gmail.com If you'd like to drop us a line, send us any questions, comments, concerns, uh, episode ideas, anybody you'd like to hear about, we always, always welcome that sort of input. Uh, yeah, on Instagram, you can hit us up at TRRPod. Uh, we'll always link the stuff in there, so there's some pretty unique material. Uh, at Podcast TRR on Twitter, we'd like to hear from you there. Uh, tag us in stuff that you think we might like. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, any suggestions for people we might follow, please. We'd like to expand uh, like our, our Twitter sphere on that one. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook if you just search Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. Yep, and if you like what we do, you think that the time we sink into this and the effort uh, and everything might be worth a... Uh, a couple bucks you can uh, support us on patreon at www.patreon.com slash trr 
pod. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Mike, thank you so much for being here again, my friend. I love being here. Always a pleasure having you. Hopefully we, be more of a regular now. Yeah, yeah. You're you're now in a place where you can uh, more easily make it up here to come record with us, so we actually look forward to having you on a bunch more episodes. We were actually talking about this earlier today. Um, it, it, the, the Heaven's Gate episodes, at least one of them, might... Uh, it might be a pretty full kitchen. Yeah, um, we might make that our yeah. most ambitious crossover since Endgame. Yep. Um, we might have Mike with us. We might have Kyle with us. Um, again, both people you've heard on the show, both very, very knowledgeable, uh, both with a lot of great insight onto these topics. And I, I, I am really looking forward to having Skate. I might join a cult. I'm well. I, I know a guy. I might a, start one. I know a guy building a compound in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh wait, that's also Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we're gonna look back at him murdering people and just laugh. Man, what I saw I saw a video of him on stage with Joel Osteen, and man, I've never seen two men with less in common. I thought it was a joke. Wait a minute, how old is Kanye? Kanye is thirties in his late thirties. Uh, uh, too okay. old to jo- uh, too old to start a religion. L. Ron Hubbard was thirty three. Jesus true. was thirty three. Yeah, he missed he, his window. Yeah, he's, he's, Although Chris and I are both thirty two. Okay. Oh shit! We better hurry. We gotta hurry up, man. We gotta make hay while the sun shines. So while we are, uh, while so while Chris and I are off starting our cult, everybody. Uh, oh, Kanye West is forty-two. Oh, okay. Oh, he's way out the window. Yeah, he was born in seventy-seven. So, so yeah, everybody, be well. Um, if you don't hear it from us before Thanksgiving, uh, have a very very uh, fun holiday around the people you love, uh, enjoying delicious food, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time, everybody. And uh, even over that break, even when you're arguing with your family, you know what to do. Hold fast.